0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the official episode of Badag Pod. You guys got to hear my voice for about 10 minutes on Wednesday. And now we're back with our supersized episode. Hear that, Sam? Supersized.
1: Supersized, yeah. Extra large. Hold the fries. Yes. I mean, not, Magnum. Extra, extra fries. Magnum. Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, I <laughs> went food and you went condoms, but it's fine. It's fine.
0: Hey, I'm with champagne. A Magnum bottle of champagne is one of those, those overly large bottles of champagne. Did you not know that?
1: Oh, I did not know that. See, yeah, I learned something today. I can't I'm Always <laughs> learning
0: things. Yeah. But today we are airing two interviews that we recorded in September of 2020 with two Cishet men. Now, the interviews are not that long, but kind of pretty long at the same time. So we're cutting down all the filler shit in between. We're just trying to, you know, get, to get the through meat. it. Right, the meat of the matter. <laughs>
1: Speaking of Magnum again,
0: <laughs> yeah. So first up, we have our interview with Gabriel. He goes by My Poly Life on Twitter, and we have a conversation about his journey into non-monogamy and polyamory, which involves dating, getting married, and then deciding to open up. Which is definitely something that a lot of people probably have experience with.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that.
0: This exactly. So you wanted to put his perspective out there. So he's going to go first. After that, we have Forward Thinker, whose journey into non-monogamy is a bit more tumultuous, to say the least. Oh, okay. But-
1: <laughs> That's all way are putting it. But you'll hear yeah. You You'll hear there. about
0: that. We won't need to, you know, I'm not been going to tease too much about that. Of course, we found him on Instagram. So his Instagram handle, Sham's going to make sure he says all that stuff for you guys at the end. We're going to make sure it's in the show notes. And now let's start the episode by talking about our podcast, friends, and family over at altplayground.net. There's some amazing things happening in 2021, that's for sure. Yep. And we have some amazing partnerships with other amazing podcasts like Black and Kinky, Living the Sweet Life to say, you know, a couple. You might you might know those people. You might even have one of those people coming on as a guest in the future. Just Ooh, tease. Throwing tease. that out there, right? I am a tease. Whang. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course you want to shout them out shout out alt playground.net for building this amazing partnership with other lifestyle podcasts and you can find all the podcasts I mentioned and more in the podcast corner at altplayground.net. That's a surprise, isn't it? Like you didn't think I was going to go there, but yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Never know when Jen's going to go. So it a surprise. Right? Keep you on so- your toes. Oh,
0: well, I mean, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> So, definitely want you guys to go over to altplayground.net for collection of your favorite lifestyle podcasts. And if they're not there, trust me, we can get them there. So We know one that's there.
1: Us. <laughs> Us. That's yeah. right.
0: We're amazing. We're amazing. And we're there. So, head on over to altplayground.net and listen to all of our episodes, if you haven't already, and the episodes of all our friends today. Now, without further ado, I'm Jen.
1: Oh, I'm Sham. And, and we're not talking.
0: I'm talking so slowly. Why do you do
1: that? I, I don't want to start too early. You know, you know, I don't to come too quick. That's what they so say.
0: Every every time you chuckle, that's when I start talking. Because you always do that. <laughs> All right, guys, here we are. Let's dive into the interview we did with Gabriel. Tell us about you. What do you want our very important, fantastic listenership to know about you, Gabriel? Tell us everything.
2: I am a 30-year-old Puerto Rican living in Southern California, who has been in a polyamorous in the polyamorous lifestyle for almost 10 years, and also kink. Uh, I am very much, pretty much out and proud about it. And I am and I am. Oh, I always welcome people looking for somebody, a sympathetic ear or, or whatnot. You know, uh, it's one of the reasons I started my tu- my own Twitter account, just visibility.
0: See, just so you guys know, I kind of low key harassed Gabriel on social media. He also might have messaged me first, but I might have also harassed him back to get him to come on the podcast. So there's that whole thing.
1: <laughs> so was it well, like, oh, you said hey, and then he was, and or he said hey, and then you were just like, hey, how's it going? Can you be on podcast? And just... basically,
0: <laughs> wow, just under now the bus. Here. That just under the bus. Okay, I guess we're doing that. That's <laughs> nice.
2: I was there. <laughs> No, I saw your tweet and and I told Jenzi that uh, while I don't consider myself a very a hardcore activist, I am a person who believes in disability. And, you know, representation of people of color and polyamory. Because of course one of the running jokes is polyamory is on white people shit. Uh, and I can see where a lot of that comes from. So like of course I'm 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 happy to to get that out there. Oh. And we thank you for doing it.
1: Yep, and, and yeah, we've heard that too. That's kind of why this podcast exists.
2: In fact, there was a joke about it in Secure. Like, there's this one season where one of the characters starts hooking up with this guy that's married. And and they go like, oh, Dro, no, isn't he married? No, he's in open marriage. Like, open marriage? I thought that was some white people shit. Absolutely.
0: Wow. I remember Issa saying that with her whole face. Is that some white people shit? And I was like, yes, yes it is, but also not really. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's so good. Representation is so important. I think for us to prove that, yeah, there are black and brown and you know Asian people, and all oh, everyone does polyamory. It's not just for the white people. It's not just for the whiteys. We 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 do this for everyone, of course. Gabriel, I have a question for you. Um, what is it like being? latino and polyamorous i mean we don't have a lot of latino people that we are aware of who are poly i know they exist but um, tell, tell us about your experience
2: so what's it like being latino and poly honestly it's kind of lonely because i personally don't meet a lot of other latinx poly people i just have it in my journey and i'm sure you'll get messages from listeners maybe you i mean. Maybe you'll, maybe (laughs) you'll. Saying, hey, I'm Latinx and I'm poly, but in my own personal journey, I haven't met many. I mean, I can count in one hand how many Latinx partners I've had in my entire lifetime. And this is poly, vanilla, monogamous, dating, all that. Uh, And the reason it's lonely is because, like, you know, say my favorite... Hispanic Latin singer is coming to town. I'm having a concert. My wife, she's not Hispanic. None of my friends are, and I want to go see this Spanish concert. And then you don't really have uh, somebody you can hit up that can go with you and appreciate it the same way you can. Uh, Like, like, and some friends indulge me who who are Spanish speakers. But you know, so that's the biggest that's the biggest thing I have faced as a Latin. Latinx poly person, uh, you know, and sometimes, of course, you worry a little bit that people will judge your polyamory through the lens of your gender and race. But then you realize, then you know, I mean, that's so fucking reductive, you know. Like, oh, he's he just he's just poly because he wants to get his fuck on. It's like I want to get my fuck on, but it has nothing to do because I'm I'm Latino, you know. I know plenty of Latin guys who are happy in you know, monogamous, exclusive marriages, uh, and yeah, uh, I, my, most of the people I've dated have been minorities, and that hasn't necessarily been by design, I think it's just, has played out that I usually match with other minorities, I, my submissive, is, my, my current submissive girlfriend, uh, she's actually, she's actually a white girl, uh, and quite lovely, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, aside from her, all my other partners are minorities. So that's what uh, that's what I think is my my experience has been as a Latinx poly person.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, I can I can understand that. I can, I can see where you're coming from. Like I said, we know they exist. Just a matter of like you being able to engage with them and having that kind of meaningful conversation and connection. So yeah, I get that. Also, your sub is white, okay? That's interesting. That's interesting. But <laughs> moving on, moving on. Well, you know, not moving on, but let's 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 ask another question. So, tell wiki, t- okay, so how long have you known that you are non-monogamous? Like did you start non-monogamous things like as a child where you can say, "Oh yeah, I had like 10 girlfriends as a no. kid or something?"
2: It's it's funny because actually I was very much I didn't have when I I got married young. I was married by 25, and we have been dating for about five years. And that I'm, that might have been maybe my first or second serious relationship, like because I I grew up with a bunch of like you know cousins, not 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 all of them, but a couple of them were basically their lives were a little bit friggedery, and and I remember them hearing things like growing up, like oh man, I should have settled down young. I I should you know, now I I don't know how to do it. Like I was like, oh well I don't wanna be like you dude. Like I, I like stability. Uh and I found my lady and we hit it up and it was a beautiful relationship and we got married by twenty five. So ironically we didn't really become poly until like thirty. Oh wow. Wait, so y'all were
0: you're together for ten years. So you're dating for five, married for five, and then you're like fuck it, we're polyamorous.
2: Basically, like, what, going back into the dating scene after 10 years is so intimidating, so cringy. It's it, it's just like, it's, 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 you know, I mean, I definitely had a couple of mediocre bad dates, some of them by my own doing. And something that I realized pretty quickly when I went back into the dating scene was... There's some crazy people out here, oh, like so true, <laughs> absolutely. Like I've been spoiled by being surrounded by like well-adjusted friends or whatnot. Like just like really, this this is how you approach relationships or whatever. Like uh, yeah, so so that was that was crazy. That was those were fun times.
0: <laughs> fun. Wow, that's not the word that I would ever use for dating, but okay. <laughs>
1: I can definitely identify with that. I had a similar trajectory where I was like, I'm married, but also trying to, you know, get back in the dating scene. And I was like, oh, so I have to talk to a woman who's not already totally devoted to me. <laughs> and I have to like make her interested in me all over again. And you got to just try and be like, wait, how, how did I talk to people?
0: After a while, they get so used to like, oh,
1: she knows everything about me. Like we're already like established. And like starting from scratch again, it's just so weird.
2: Yeah. there There's a learning curve. I keep telling people that you can learn it because I, I'm right now I'm at a place that that I have really good dates. I'm very good about vetting potential dates and, and before actually arranging an encounter, just chatting and corresponding, making sure these people are compatible and, and you know, offer potential to what I may be looking for at the moment. Uh So I don't wing it. A lot of people just wing it like, hey, we met. You want to meet for drinks? Sure. Like, you don't know each other. Like, how how do you even know it's worth the drive?
1: Wow, but not even worth the drive. Yeah, it's funny what these things come down to. Sounds like you've got this down to a science. I mean, I guess you got experience.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty comfortable. I'm pretty comfortable in, in my dating life.
1: Oh wow you know you should start cause you said you said your twitter is a, is a place where you like to um offer a uh, comforting here
2: i I ironically I first just started just to post funny stories and yeah. then I started retweeting more about polyamory articles like so my Twitter is basically just either funny funny situations from my poly life, and right now a lot of like articles about polyamory and just polyamory education uh because uh, I believe in sex positivity and sex education. Like it, I, ironically, we all pick our binaries. We all pick the things that we're passionate about. Uh, and sex positivity and sex education might actually be the thing that I'm most passionate about. Uh, nothing against la raza, but like that might be the banner. That's where maybe I found my calling and, and where I really found like I, I had con- something to, contributions to make or something that I was passionate about.
1: All right. I, I support that. I mean, clearly, we had a similar feeling that we had, you know, we had to bring this banner, but we did it in podcast form. All right. So, so your Twitter is, uh, is is jokes and polyamory. That, that sounds like a good follow. Listeners, we're going to drop yeah. that in at, at
0: Jokes and polyamory. And thing and that's what's going to be everywhere it's going to be in our show notes as well for sure because the jokes are also really funny he sent me a couple Uh, jokes privately and i love it
1: how would you say you are how do you come to the decision to kind of transition from just straight up monogamy to non-monogamy like yeah
2: i can totally tell you the story it's it's very simple and actually it just became a little bit uh out of necessity you know not explicit necessity but basically so my wife she's asian and she had a very conservative upbringing like like have like she spent like 10 years living in south korea like you know around her twin years and whatnot uh and her family was just very again kind of stereotypical in that way you do what we tell you and sex positivity just wasn't part of the language growing up and basically, my wife realized that she was bisexual or was bicurious. And, and when, when basically she acknowledged that maybe she may have curiosity about exploring her sexuality, I'm a nerd, so I was like, well, let's look up a book about that. And yeah. so we went, we went ahead and got a book about women questioning their sexuality. And she read the book. And she went really like, okay, yeah, it sounds, it, it seems pretty, pretty obvious that I'm bisexual. And she came out to herself and she came out to me, and, and we joked that I knew it before her because I would always just catch her checking out girls. Uh, like so, it's kind of like a, a, a inside joke between us. So she was like, oh my god, I, I, I think I'm bisexual. I was like, what do we do now? And, and again, I'm a very pragmatist guy, so I was like, I don't know, explore it. Like, and she always likes me telling people. Please always disclaim that I don't sound like this. This is only how I sound in your head. So she was like, You're stupid, you're crazy. No, we can't do that. We're married. I can't just go sleeping around with other people. I'm like, we can't be the first people to face this situation. So again, I just went to Google and I just like searched bisexual people, marriage, some stuff like that. And that brought us to open marriage, that brought me to open marriage and non-monogamy and I and swingers. And I was like, I don't know about. About swinging, and like, not sure that's her thing, and then that brought us to polyamory. And I was like, Oh, well, there's this lifestyle. <laughs> hey, look, this honey, there's this lifestyle people oh, practice. I, uh, we I just like, want to oh.
1: say, like, just let's just interject here for a second. I love that you guys just in your marriages, you know, whenever something comes up, you're just like, Well, let me look it up, let me just read about it. Oh, found something. Yeah, it looks like you're bisexual, and then jump in again, oh, there's another relationship for it. I just love this, the way y'all just process things. It's very, it's like, oh, well, we don't know. Might as well just look it up. And it's a good thing you lived in this generation, because if there was no Google, you, I don't even know what you do. It's like, right, right. Yeah, because to the library. I'm it, saying,
2: sorry. It, no, I'm a, again, I'm a very, like, just, just, just practical guy, and it's funny because all, it's an inside joke in my group of friends and family, my wife, that what, whenever somebody's like, hey, how do you do this or what is it? I always my go-to response is just Google it, and mm-hmm. people always like hate it when I say that. Like, it's my go-to, GIF. It's yeah, uh, the right thing to say. It, like, it's like in this day and age, there is literally no reason for people to not know anything. The information is out there, you know. I meet so many people that so many people in their lifestyle, whether it's through Life, or Cupid, who are like new to polyamory. And like, oh hey, I love your profile. Would love to talk to you. Great. Well, I'm actually new to it last time, looking to learn a lot. Yeah. Well, here's actually here's actually some books you can read. I mean, I was I was thinking maybe you could just kind of like tell me about it. And it's like, oh, so you just you don't want to do any work. You just kind of like want to like come in and get the benefits and not have any responsibility. Like, oh okay, yeah, I totally want to like partner up with you. Yeah, sure. Like, no. <laughs>
0: Well, no, okay, so no let's they're just see. being lazy. They don't, they don't want to do the work. They're lazy as fuck. That's their problem. It's like, hey, I, can you just tell me everything about your life test so I don't have to look up to see if it suits me or not? No. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: You're not here yeah. to be the teacher. I, 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 I respect that. Yeah. I mean, I can understand, like, you know, don't go into this like being like, no, you teach me how this works. It's like, no, you look up how it works and then you go from there. Like, or if you don't yeah. know how it works, you just, just, you know. Wing it, I guess.
2: <laughs> Edu- educate yourself. Like, like, why would you trust me to be your teacher? Like, you don't know what I'm going to tell you. It's like, that's a, that you're giving me a lot of power. You know?
1: Oh, yeah, that's like, true. Because yeah. easily someone could shape how you see this whole lifestyle. And, you know, like, we clearly know you. <laughs> you're the educated one. But, you know, there's others out there who would not be as, you know, they they probably frame it like, oh, yeah, the only way to do polyamory is that you... Are only allowed to date one man and he's allowed to date everyone else. And that could just be your messed up vision for the rest of your life until you eventually Google it if you ever do.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm in the kink lifestyle. And you see that a lot with subs, with people who want it to be with new submissives into the lifestyle. It's like saying, same deal. Well, I'm looking for a Dom. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, hi. Yeah. Well, I'm looking to be trained. I mean, again, there's books and podcasts and blogs I can point you to. Like, what well, can not you just teach me? Like, wait, you're just going to, like, submit to some person and tell you what domination and submission is? Like, just like that. And that's how you hear so many submissive horror stories of abuse and just exploitation and whatnot. Like, like just go to a munch or something. Talk to other people, you know? Yeah,
1: that does happen. You, you hear that a lot. That's how you get stuff like, uh, what's that damn movie called? <laughs>
2: 50 Shades? Yeah,
0: that one. Um, oh, God, don't bring up 50 Shades of Grey just because there is a romance podcast that came out last week, a couple of weeks before, some time ago, can't remember when, and they were discussing all the ways 50 Shades of Grey impacted the romance industry and how people felt about BDSM and the lifestyle, and everyone wanted a red room and all sorts of weird shit. And that's just letting me know that people did not do any research. If you are part of the BDSM lifestyle, you know Fifty Shades is the worst representation <laughs> of the kink lifestyle that you can ever find. So even Secretary was better than Fifty Shades in my opinion, and yeah, Secretary of was pretty bad.
2: But I've only yeah, seen it that one liked. time. It's been it's been a while. It, like I haven't seen it in probably like almost a decade. So I have no basis right now to criticize it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. It's just, yeah, you're right. If you yeah. are interested in something, if you're actively interested in participating in a certain part of the lifestyle, whether it is the kink part or the non-monogamous part, do your research. Yeah. Figure out what what it is about and what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. Oh, here's a suggestion. Next time someone asks you about, like, how does non-monogamy work, just send them this podcast, you know? Maybe this will be easier than Googling it, you know? That's of a course. <laughs> of course. makes no ideas for them. All right, so now I'm wondering. So based off the story, your story so far, I have to wonder, like, what kind of poly do you practice, or kid- yeah, I guess yeah. What kind of poly do you practice? We start
2: there. Yeah, it's kitchen poly, uh, but it is it is hierarchical. Like my wife is my primary partner, uh, and everybody that I engage, you know, like they I go very openly. Like you know, like my wife is my nesting, my primary. And I always say the same things every time I engage a new partner. It's like, listen, I just want to be completely honest. If, and if this doesn't work for you, that's totally cool. I just want to just put it out there like my priorities are my wife, my career, my sub, you know. And, like so, like, so the only two committed relationships I have are my wife and my sub. I do have additional partners that I engage with in, in varying degrees of frequency. And those are more casual. And there's a, those are friends of mine, people that I chat with constantly, but, like, that we don't have the committed, you know, dynamic that my sub and I have. My, I see my sub every week. Yeah, we talk, we talk throughout the whole week and, and all that stuff. Like, ironically, just yesterday, uh, we had our biannual polycule. So the polycule, when, when we talk about the polycule, we talk about my wife and I, her boyfriend and my sub slash girlfriend. And twice a year, we make a point to get together and just have a have 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 a, have a lunch or dinner. Uh, and yesterday actually was the 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 midpoint, the summer, the summer poly poly kill summit. We call it. Wow,
1: that sounds good. So that's like, I guess, the poly version of like anniversary dinner or something.
2: Yeah, it's just a way. It's just a way to just kind of like keep each other. In, because ironically. Like my wife and myself, they know each other, and I know my wife's boyfriend. But uh, we don't, uh, we don't have a fun talking to each other. But just, yeah, yeah, I can understand uh, that.
1: It's it's kind of like unless you were unless you knew them before, it would. It, I can't think of a reason why you'd be talking to them just casually. Exactly,
2: you know, it's it's just a it's like a company picnic. You know, it's just. A yes, way I was
1: thinking of that. Like a dinner yeah. meeting or something. It was like, all right, let's all get together in one place and and. and <laughs> And discuss how things are going yeah wow. was...
2: wait a way to, conti- to, to to again always normalize each o- ourselves to each other and whatnot so we're not we're not strangers right, that's good what did you what was it what would you call it first the polycule <laughs> the summit we call it the summit polycule summit yeah let's yeah.
1: put that one in the show notes that's a that's a new term that uh, i think we'll be co-opting because it sounds very useful thanks oh uh...
0: uh, yes the polycule summit i'll be adding
2: that for sure
1: or the uh alternative to be the poly um pic- was it workplace picnic?
2: Yeah. Uh or the poly the poly picnic, yeah, you know.
1: Also, the fact like I just wanna point out, you know, you, you brought up Kink like previously a little bit, but just weird I just like dropped like, Oh by the way, yeah, my sub and I'm I'm just sitting there just like, wait, what sub? Where did this come from? Just <laughs> casually <laughs> just dropped it's like, Oh yeah, no as like I figured but I didn't know. And it was just, just so out of nowhere. I had to like pause in my head for a second. It's like, oh, he's got a whole sub separate from his wife and then other partners. Yeah, There's a good life over there. <laughs> I,
2: I'm kind of, I'm kind of i I'm kind of admittedly a slut boy.
1: I'm being, hey. Well, you're, you're 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 ethical stuff You're the the consensual, so that's a good type of.
2: Yeah. Life. That's the way to live it.
0: I have a quick question for you. How sure. long have you been with your sub? How long have you guys been together?
2: Uh, our third anniversary is in November. Oh wow!
0: Yeah, like you. you uh, is your is your wife also a part of your kink lifestyle? By the way, is it just my in- wife is
2: actually vanilla. So that's something that I found. So uh, as I learned about polyamory, one of the so because of course is so like okay, so we came to polyamory to. For my wife's need to explore her own sexuality so then it became this thing like okay what can polyamory do for me and if you start reading about polyamory it's inevitable you're going to start learning about kink because the two lifestyles not necessarily overlap a lot there's a lot of vanilla exactly there's plenty of vanilla poly people but there's also a lot of kinky uh, poly people and i started reading about this stuff like oh this sounds kind of hot like, I may want to take this stuff out. My wife was like, nah, you're crazy. Like, what? You want to do what to people? It was like, hey, you, you, know, you want to do some rope? And she's like, no, shut up. Get away from me with that. Like, so my wife is very vanilla. So, and I'm you the short version, but basically that's what I found. That's what polyamory did for me. It helped me then discover kink. And then it helped me, you know, it gave me an opportunity to explore the depth of my kink. And subsequently, you know, start exploring my own sexuality and so on.
1: Oh, wow, that's, this is a real journey you went on. So you started from just standard monogamous couple. Yeah. And then your wife wanted to branch off into testing out her bisexuality. And then you found your own separate king that you wanted to explore. And wow, this is a whole epic story. and then,
2: yeah. It is. I
1: appreciate it. It's it's very linear, but it it makes very sense. Like it's like a, it's like a well told uh, story.
2: Oh, I, I I am I I do work in the film business, so so oh, I, 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 I am I am my my brain does work in in, in storytelling. All
1: right, well, tell us when your live story movie is coming out. You know, we do need more <laughs> more non monogamy in in film. We've, we've tried tried to find some, but you know, the story of how two people went from monogamous to like full-on polycule.
2: Oh, I'm working on it.
1: Oh, nice. We look forward to it one day. So I guess that kind of covers the most of the journey.
0: Yeah, yeah it covers a lot of the journey. I mean, because you, you started figuring out your non-monogamous stuff, and then you went into kink, and then now you guys are happily doing your, what do you call it? The polycule picnic?
2: <laughs> polycule picnic, polycule summit. Yeah.
0: Polycule summit. You guys are doing your thing. So I definitely, definitely think that's amazing that you guys are able to have that kitchen table relationship together so tell me have you experienced a lot of jealousy you or your wife have you guys gotten any a lot of jealousy out of everything or is it just like you guys have been able to feel compersion most of the time
2: oh we're pretty compersion like I I hate to say this because uh one of the things that you always see poly educators talk about is trying to read uh the shame of jealousy and like yeah we get jealousy uh, the fact of the matter is, while my wife and I had some bouts of jealousy in the beginning of our journey, we 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 actually overcame them, you know, a long time ago. And again, we did it because we educated ourselves. Like we actively educated ourselves. We read, we study. We, you know, we didn't wing this. Like like we actually read the ethical slot and opening up before we ever started dating. And and I'll meet people. It's it's so funny. And this is God honest truth. Every, I'm I'm a bit of a romantic in this way. Every time I go on a date, I usually bring a present for the date, because uh, it's a it's a good gesture to co- score points. But also if it's make a lot of men look a, bad right now. Was <laughs> that?
1: They so make a lot of men look bad right now.
2: <laughs> but it's also especially if it's a present that can be personalized in some way then you score even more points because then you'd be listening and whatnot. Uh, and ironically, a lot of the people I go on dates with are somewhat new to the lifestyle by pure coincidence. Not always, but most of the time they are. And most of the time, the present that I give them, I should you not, is the ethical slot.
1: Oh, so... Yeah, you help them like inform themselves on the lifestyle. So, yeah, it's kind of a gift for both of you because, you know, then they're more informed and able to be a better partner for you going forward and then they help themselves move forward. So before we go any further, see, this makes me bring up the question that we, you know, sometimes ask our guests, um, are your DMs open? Because I feel like you've, you know, you've already impressed some of our listeners listening. Where, because you say you, you haven't been on Twitter that or you don't use Twitter that much. I don't know if you see this on Twitter a lot. There's a lot of arguments about, like, dating and dates. And, like, a lot of men out there saying, you know, they don't know if they should pay for dates. And, you know, sometimes women don't deserve to get paid for and whatever. And then you come in and you're just like, oh, no. So whenever I go on a date, I bring my my date a whole-ass present. <laughs> so
2: I don't our... follow I don't follow those type of... I, I make it a point to... my, the, my the, the stuff I follow on Twitter, I try to make it a point to be mostly... Polyamory, sex positive, kink educational, like, like, most of my, most of the stuff I follow on Twitter is about sex positivity. So, it, it, and one, and it, I see a lot of articles, you know, I, I'll, I try to comment and engage a little bit here and there, particularly as I'm trying to raise my profile a, a little bit lately. Like, I only have 100 followers, but, uh, oh, like, it's so oh, funny. It's so funny because I made a joke last week. I posted this story on my Twitter because uh, this one girl that I happen to be uh, seeing is also significantly younger than me. And one of the hashtags... I made a joke about it. Uh, and one of the hashtags I put on my post was age gap. <laughs> Next thing I knew, I had like three new followers. And when I go look at their Twitter accounts, all their tweets are basically about <laughs> really young girls and like really old men fucking. <laughs> oh. So, to say, to say I'm not, all my, not all my followers are bona fide followers. I know some people are just <laughs> following because they saw something, a shiny thing they liked. Uh, but, like, uh, I'm making an effort to kind of like tweet more and engage a little more because, again, I want to kind of like spread the gospel of non monogamy and sex positivity.
1: That's good. That's good. You're doing Laura's work over there.
2: <laughs> thank you. I try.
1: So thank you. So he says, three new followers looking for that age gap. I think you think someone's trying to find uh, a new sugar daddy. we <laughs> for that.
2: It's it's younger. sex work. I mean, I guess
1: but those younger girls are dangerous for your pocket. I'm
2: just saying. It's it's the sugar the sugar daddy dynamic is certainly the problem uh, with the sugar daddy with sugar babies. This is my own personal opinion. I am not a scholarly. I am not a sex educator that has professionally studied or written about this. I'm big on dynamics. And the problem that I see in a lot of the stories that I read online about sugar babies is the same problems that you see in a lot of the stories that you read about sex workers, is that they just jump in. They don't do any research. They're winging it. They don't don't take precautions to educate themselves, vet clients. And or you know guidance and, and so on, and sometimes they and they end up in situations that aren't fully ethical or fully safe, and so on. I think I believe in sex work, but I believe people should do it safely, ethically, and and you know not wing it. Like like once in a while, you hear somebody like like oh, I literally had a friend, a kingster, who was like you know I need to make more money. I think I'm gonna become a webcam girl, and I was like. Well funny enough, here's a couple documentaries that you can watch about webcam girls that I've seen over the years. And she literally just said to me, That's too much work. It's like, oh so you're just gonna wing this wing this. You know. Did you realize that webcam girls peak hours are between like, if I recall, eleven PM and four AM? And this is somebody with kids. It's like it's it's like that's your peak hours for business.
1: You, wow, you really do your research, like. What do I even? I mean, is that you just you just find it a topic and just you just decide you're going to just learn everything about it just 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 because?
2: Oh, I I just love learning about sex and sex sex work and sexual. So I I just again I read and consume and and kink and and yeah I I I just I don't get tired of reading about that stuff. Like like this this year alone I read this article. That blew my mind. And mind you, I have been in the lifestyle for almost a year. And this article was saying the problem with don't ask, don't tell policy. And this is how they framed. And when they framed it this way, it just blew my mind. The problem with the don't ask, don't tell uh, policy is that how can you consent to something if you don't know it's happening? It's basically a consent issue. How can you consent if you don't know? And when I read it that way, I was like, mind blown. And for the people
1: at home, what would be your quick explanation of like the don't ask, don't tell?
2: Hey, honey, I want to sleep with other people. Or like, hey, it's like my wife and I are open. We are the basically our agreement is we don't want to know about it or hear about it. Do yeah. it. Do it stealth, you know. And, yeah. and for me, for me, that's like, that's a cop out. You know, like, it's like, then you, if you cannot even acknowledge what, basically, you're just kind of like, let's not openly acknowledge what we're doing. Then I don't think you have the the emotional literacy or bandwidth to then do this. Like, how much shame do you have? How much insecurity do you have?
1: No, I don't want to be judgy, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree, you know, respectfully to everyone's, you know, lifestyle. But yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not very opinionated. I'm sorry. This is. Yeah. This is no,
0: no, no. Gabriel is super opinionated. He knows what he's about. He it, knows exactly what he's about. But you know what? That's important because he feels the way he feels about stuff, and people need to have their boundaries in place. And that's yeah. one of those things. The boundary.
1: And hey, if you wanna find it him, is. we 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 we'll drop this Twitter so you can go find him <laughs>
0: but before
1: you you know before you try to take him on. Make sure you do your research first because we know he's <laughs> done his. So you gotta go in that into that fight like prepared. I try. All right, so now I'm curious, so how did you find the transition into kink? Like how was it like that first starting up? I don't know how you go from just like being vanilla most mostly all your life to just like, well, I'm a kink now. How do you how do you broach the topic other than research, of course, you know, you did that.
2: I started uh, Tumblr was really blowing up at that time, so I started following a lot of Tumblrs about uh, like, kink. Tumblr. That's uh, still good. Yeah, no, and there was a lot of great, and I still have even say today in my email they save beautiful blogs that I came across Tumblr from dumps and from subs, stories or or just essays, uh, and then again podcasts, you know, uh, like. I'm trying to remember. I was big on the Masocast. cast. He's kind of like dropped off, but at that time he was very active. And that podcast was very beautiful because it was basically, he would have like some, some like celebrity. I call them celebrities because they're celebrities in fet life, But he would also have like regular people who would just come on and talk about their lifestyle, uh, how the, their journey. Like here's one of my favorite origin stories I heard. Like he would always ask people, how did you, read? what was your first experience with kink? I miss this podcast because it was great. And one of my favorite stories I heard was, oh, I used to wrap myself in toilet paper when I was like seven. And you hear, yeah, you hear stuff like that. It's like, oh, that is so trippy. You know, yeah. And it's, it's hilarious. And, and sometimes, it's, sometimes it can be so easily traced back because I cannot trace back my kinks that way. I do know that I've, my wife will always be the one to tell you that I'm a nit freak, I'm a perfectionist, I'm very organized. And that's what ultimately, that's what I understand, What I love about being a dumb because the world's chaotic. And, it's just, and I know it's an illusion, it's an illusion, but so the world's chaotic. It, there's things going around you in the world you cannot control. In kink, in your dynamic, here is this space where you are in control, where there's no that chaos, where there is predictability and structure. You know, and I, that for me is a very peaceful space, you know, especially because I, I, I have very little tolerance for drama. Like one of my one of my uh, uh, parameters or, or flagpoles, you could say, or what have you is if I'm arguing more with a partner than I argue with my own wife, it's like be gone because I don't really argue with my wife. Uh, is, we're not in the habit of arguing like that's something else you learn uh, when we started dating again that a lot of people have really unhealthy views of relationship and intimacy and and part of it is it's been handed down and part of it is media like greece greece is a beautiful beautiful baller musical with great songs i mean greece is a greece is an amazing musical about a simpler time of segregation and underage pregnancy and <laughs> underage drinking and where you change everything about yourself to win the one you love. And people love Greece. People love Biddy and the Beast. I mean, the Biddy and the Beast is morally reprehensible. Like, like, this guy kept you in a cage, you know?
1: Once again, we will provide his Twitter so anybody who wants to fight <laughs> can go find him. But I get what you're saying. I definitely get what you're saying. And, yeah, media and, like, just tradition and how the world is framed for us from a very young age can, like, give us these kind of unhealthy views and stuff. So I can, yeah, I definitely agree. But what I do I want to say? Your your speech about how you like things, like, in order and the world is chaotic, yeah. yeah. I was thinking in my, in my head, like, well, this could have ended in two ways. You could have been a super villain or, you know, with you and King. I was like, well, this is the much better option out of those two. I'm glad you went this direction with it.
2: Oh thank you. but every time that that somebody has been able to 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 run with it uh I take a lot of satisfaction because something else you discover meeting people dating people or partners and whatnot is is a lot of them have not had great experiences and and i and I don't want to sound like I'm blowing my own tooting my own horn like I am you know the dumb to to old dumps I'm not ah but but you know the same way that a lot of girls have had shitty ex-boyfriends in the lifestyle. There you meet people who have had really shitty poly partners, really shitty doms, really shitty submissives or needy submissives. You know, like toxicity comes in in every gender, shape, role, dynamic.
1: Yeah, it's not um, native to any one relationship type. So back to your uh, your polycule. Sure. In general, are the other members of the polycule also? Like dating separate from just the four of you.
2: Yeah, ironically, my sub, she doesn't date much. She have occasional dates, same way my my wife's boyfriend, uh, he'll date occasionally too. Some of my partners are married. So I mean, some of my other partners are, are married, like they have spouses, and they themselves have other partners. So yeah.
1: How are you kind of dealing with that with the world we're living in now? In this in this post COVID world, like. How do you deal with, like, having multiple partners and also trying to, you know, either not mix with too many people or not expose yourself unnecessarily? It's all, it's all calculated risk, but, you know, how are you dealing with
2: it? No, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, when the shit hit the fan, clearly my wife and I sat down because I, her, my sub is, lives by herself. She doesn't have a partner. My wife's boyfriend lives by himself. He doesn't have a partner. So we're like, okay, so. We got to make sure we find a way to tend to our partners because we can't just like leave them hanging in the wind because they have nobody else. Like you and I have each other and we're here. So after the initial, you know, uh, scare, uh, then we started devising what is going to be the the measures that we're going to take to engage with each other. Well, my wife's uh, boyfriend, he mostly works from home. So she feels pretty safe still going over there and seeing him. And same deal. My sub pretty much got furloughed. So then I see her... So again, so we're actually able... The po- the immediate polycule is actually able to interact with each other pretty easily. As for my other partners, of the immediate polycule, my wife, me, myself, and her boyfriend, I'm the one who's the most promiscuous. Uh, so they, they kind of all... Nothing ganged, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, they all kind of ganged up on me. Like, okay, listen, so we have some concerns. So, you know... They basically told me if you want to play with anybody else either they have to have been in isolation for 2 weeks or they get test they get a test the week that you're seeing them. You yeah, know, they were willing to give me that much cuz they know there's time between test, test and result. But they were like if they get a test, like if you're going to you have going to see you, you're going to see them that weekend, they have to get tested and get the result that week. So they have to get tested at the beginning of the week. And that measure has worked for some partners, and some partners have been very accommodating. And these are the partners that I'm I'm a little more casual with, and and I'm very straightforward. Listen, I understand there's a lot to ask. What my polycule is asking isn't unreasonable. It's actually quite reasonable. The fact of the matter is there's a health crisis out there. We have to take it seriously. And there's really no way I can actually argue against what they're asking for, which is for me to be safe and not Put the rest of them at risk. So if this doesn't work for you, if this is more trouble than it's worth for you, no harm feelings. And some partners were like, nah. Some partners were very happy to accommodate me. So having able to keep some of my other relationships somewhat active while the other ones are pretty much been inactive through the whole pandemic. Okay. Uh, but they, but again, this were more casual relationships that we were kind of used to not necessarily seeing each other for months at a time. So. It, it, their struggle isn't as much.
1: I can understand where where everyone is coming from on the politics. Everybody's dealing with this differently. I can I can see that you guys are at least trying. Some people aren't even trying. You're at least putting in some work
2: there. Yeah.
1: So you talk about like I do a lot of reading and listen to a lot of like relationship podcasts and articles and so on. What would you say are some of your favorite that you can like point us and our listeners to?
2: The fundamental Bible for me about non-monogamy is The Ethical Slope. And that's a book that I push on people that are looking to practice non-monogamy. When it's a couple that is actually opening their relationship, I actually give them opening up. So if you've been a, a monogamous, vanilla couple, what have you, and you're actually... Explore non-monogamy together, then I give them opening up because then that's more geared towards couple. Whereas Ethical Slide is a book that can be geared towards people individually, which again, people can read together. Uh, more Than Two is also a really good book. Podcast, of course. Uh, Monogamish Pod is a great podcast. Hey. <laughs> for me, uh, back at the beginning, she's not as active now. Uh, she scaled back a little bit, but Connie Minx was a, was a very seminal podcast for me. And I learned a lot from Connie Minx. And one of, again, one of the things that I'm big on is own your shit and I learned that from Connie Mengs which is all about you know personal responsibility and, and accountability which is like if you're not somebody who's willing to educate yourself that tells me that you're not really somebody who's in the habit of being accountable for your decisions so that's why I don't necessarily feel comfortable playing with you that's my choice and that's my view those are of the top of my head that I can tell you right now those are a good amount, yeah. I think oh, uh, and of course, Esther Perel is my relationship spirit animal. Anything that Esther Perel writes, you should read.
1: Jen is co-sending that one. What would be anything from your experience you could give them? And then anything you want to plug or point people to, like Twitter or anything you're working on that you want people
2: to look out for? Sure. What I tell people first, and this is, goes to dating in general, if you can't take rejection, don't date. <laughs> <laughs> so real. <laughs> So, so it, that is monogamy you no know, if you can't do rejection don't take that's what it is people have to be able to like you for who you are you can read all the pickup books you want at the end of the day you, all you can really be is yourself so if somebody doesn't like you for who you are they're really not worth your time and vice versa accept who you are be comfortable in who you are because this lifestyle will test your insecurities You need to be able also to say, the same way you need to be able to take rejection, you also need to be able to dish it out. You need to be able to have the comfort and the confidence to tell somebody, listen, I just don't think we're a good match. Some people like ghosting. I know that's really in vogue, but the the ability to say no is going to be one of the most powerful abilities abilities you're going to be able to have, whether it's dating, whether it's in a sex act or, or I don't want to eat here or I don't want us to do this or go to this place. Just be able to say no and have strong boundaries. Of course, communicate, you know, like... Find Always ways
1: communicate.
2: Find yes. ways to communicate that are yes. healthy and constructive because people when people are, are fighting technically they're communicating, they're just <laughs> not doing it the yeah. healthiest maybe way. Maybe not maybe
1: not communicating great, but you know it's it's a start.
2: And when somebody shows you who they are, again it's it's a cliché, my angel. but when somebody shows you who they are, believe it. I get a lot of flack from people because I am very quick to discern people when I'm getting to know them but it just happens I know what I like and I know what I don't like and so I'm very specific sometimes about what I'm looking for and, and like my my girlfriend and my wife sometimes like oh you gotta it's like sometimes you're so harsh with people I mean you know because like sometimes can 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 just be like listen you seem lovely like I've had dates where at the end you seem like a really cool girl I just don't think would be a very good match and, 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 and like. Like my my wife my girlfriend like you know you could have texted that afterwards you know <laughs> you had to tell them there there uh and and I've had some and I haven't had great reactions from and I get it it's it's sometimes hard hard to hear that's something that I'm working on I'm working on my own ability sometimes to to my delivery the way I say it is sometimes in my effort to cut to the chase I cut too deeply and that's something I own and that's something I am working on actively. And
1: Is there anything you wanna? point people to or anything you want to plug you know
2: oh, i mean feel free to follow my twitter uh my poly life feel free to dm me if you have questions uh, i always love be able to kind of like give, give any advice that i feel comfortable gave because i'm i'm very good also about like these out of my depth or saying hey check out this book or check out this blogger and so on uh just follow me and and Listen to some of my funny stories that uh, that I go through in my poly life, or read some of the articles that I post. And I, and every article that I post is an article that I read, and I post it because I found something in the article that resonates with people who are in the polyamorous lifestyle. And look for this new, look up this new Twitter account, How to Be Kinky TV, uh, or go to TVcom Myself and I are actually in the process of. Developing an animated show, uh, edutainment, comedy, about oh. a center on, on kinky education. And uh, we're actively developing this. And later this year, we're going to launch a crowdfund to fund the pilot. There'll be a trailer coming. I'm a trailer editor, so I'm actually working on the trailer video announcement for the crowdfunding. Okay. nice. Uh, but we're still getting all our ducks in a row because crowdfunding is actually very, it's a big deal. Uh, it's not something you can just win. Yeah, crowdfunding Again, crowdfunding
0: is a huge deal, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a lot of research for that the last month. We're going to launch this crowdfund so we can make this pilot to then take to networks in hopes of making this into a TV show where we can put, uh, we can present kinky education on a mainstream platform this,
1: okay yeah. <laughs> did not see that coming all right so
2: i only i only plugged it because you asked me like no, i'm it. happy i asked now <laughs> so
1: we are definitely how, do we, keep kinky in touch. TV? how yeah. do we kinky
2: tv dot com i'm gonna find
1: myself yeah.
0: yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. It, definitely keep in touch. you guys get to hear it as guests but yeah how do we kinky tv.com you guys need to check that out once again, we want to thank Gabriel for being here with us, talking to Not us about his poly kinky lifestyle. Anytime. The podcast multiple times because he knows where it's at. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find him on his socials at my poly life. I'm saying that correctly, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, that, I, I am. Oh, Go me. I'm smart today. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, once again, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to having you back again sometime soon.
2: Wonderful. <laughs> thank you.
0: And that was something, wasn't it? Like, we had a great conversation. I wasn't featured as much in this episode because I was actually very sick when we recorded this. Do you remember that, champ?
1: Yeah, that was that was funny. Like, it, it doesn't come out that much in the, in the episode. You kind of figure, you know, she, Jen just kind of disappears for a little bit. If you were there alive, it was very funny because we had Jen on video. And she just, at some point, just started laying down. And you could just tell she couldn't say anything. But then she just came in at the end like a real champ. And, you know, so... Yeah, I had to do some, some some heavy lifting. Not usually a heavy lifter, but, you know, when Jen's not there, I got I to gotta pick up slack because, you know, Jen's got all the tights.
0: Yeah. You know what? What I'm saying is that I feel like you are a heavy lifter because that, you know, pick up something, anything and run with it thing that happened for uh, a while, like, you were doing that. That was some heavy lifting.
1: I mean, I can't be judged by what I do when Soka is played in, in any aspect. Strength, good or bad. <laughs> Let's just okay. say that. Okay.
0: All righty. So now that you've heard Gabriel's story, let's pan over to Forward Thinker and hear his journey into non monogamy and polyamory. You can probably hear the shock and surprise in my voice for a good portion of this. And also, fun fact for this interview, Sham disappeared for part of it as
1: well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't even put that together that we both kind of it <laughs> off. Disappearances mid podcast, but uh, we, we made we it did. work.
0: We made it work, we made it work. It was still a great conversation. So here we are, talking to Forward Thinker. We're gonna be talking to Forward Thinker who is an Instagram friend of mine. Well, ours, even though Sham has never spoken to him before today. He's a so of the show. here we go. Friend of the show. That that's mm-hmm. a nice way of putting it. There we go. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. I'm a fan.
0: So everybody knows that we've been posting on social media trying to get more people of color who are non-monogamous and polyamorous in this space. And luckily, Forward here decided to grace us with his presence. And I was like, all I right, all right, I guess you can be on the show or whatever. I guess you are right. <laughs> <laughs> So we're really, really happy to have him with us today to talk about his journey in non-monogamy. So I'm excited. Are you excited, Jim?
1: So excited. Just, just bursting at the seams over here. <laughs>
0: he's so lame see you guys i try to bring this enthusiasm and he's just he's slacking it's okay i'm though. trying
1: to match your energy but it's so high you know i'm just
0: down here <laughs> reaching all right see now you got forward over here laughing but it's fine forward why don't you introduce yourself for the guests so they know who you are
3: absolutely absolutely hello everybody my name is uh, forward thinker i go by forward thinker uh feel free to follow me on instagram and, um, yeah, I'm definitely glad to be on this, uh, this platform. I'm glad to be on this podcast. You guys are doing God's work out here. Um, just you know, grateful for that you have what well, you guys have created, Jen and Sham. Um, you guys have great content for the culture. Like I said, I'm a fan. I've been listening, uh, and I think that we do need this. First of all, black men, don't cheat. Okay, that's my, that's my number one thing that I want to start saying, come off with. Um, because, um, you know, I think that that kind of movement that was started by, um, you know, Charlemagne and kind of people have talked and, you know, uh, gone forward with that whole idea, that whole maxim. Um, you know, I believe that in this current time, in this current culture, in this current, you know, uh, political landscape, even that, that people of color have to be. Even more present and aware of what's going on. So, you know, I always tie that into, um, you know, how I started my journey in ethical monogamy and ethical non monogamy. um, By telling my girlfriend um, before she became my fiance that I had been cheating on her and came out Uh. of it that I am polyamorous. Uh, so I'm a reform fuckboy, is how I like to like to to mm-hmm. uh, to say that, coined by uh, Sinead Adams. I heard it, uh, in one of her episodes on Curious Fox uh, that monogamy just isn't for everybody. So as a cis hetero black Renaissance man, I, I like to think, in his mid thirties, looking at ethical non monogamy through a first generation American experience coming from a Jamaican household, I do respect this platform and I do respect you know the entire journey that I'm on.
0: Oh yeah, cuz you definitely on this journey, boy. Like when so I'm going to let you guys know something, right? When Ford was like, "Yeah, for for fuck," boy, I'm like, "What that mean? What are you what are you <laughs> trying to say, my guy? What are you trying to say? Why why you do this?" But it's I think that a lot of people start there. You know, they start there not quite able to be monogamous and not know why and right. don't really know how to make that connection together. Especially growing up in a Jamaican household where you know that it is pretty standard practice for, you know, the men to have outside um, acquaintances. Is that a nice way of putting it, chap Outside acquaintances? I feel like I'm giving it the, the uh, right wording I, 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 here.
1: What the, 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 the decent way of saying it would be, you know, outside friends, uh, special friends outside of your, your main partner I'm, I'm not even sure side partners
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah you know i mean or we can just call them what they are mateys men have mates. Yeah. it is what it is <laughs> it is what it mateys,
1: is Side mateys, jokes, whatever whatever Yeah, your, it's the culture, culture has a, lot
0: of,
3: a lot of names for
0: oh for sure for sure and of course if you're a woman who is a side person you have a joe grind that's also a special one one of my Ooh. favorites <laughs> a badge of
1: honor for many men to be called a joe grind you know (laughs) so
0: i mean mean, that's one of my questions to you were you a joe grind or did you just have mates?
3: um i like to say mates, but um i don't understand clearly the definition of joe grind what is that
0: so you are the side man man? yeah so you're the side man for somebody who else was in a relationship
3: okay no i haven't i haven't been a joe grind no
0: Okay, see, guys, he's he's, he's a reformed fuckboy. He's only been a me. He only had me It's fine. Yes. We're, we're, yeah. He's coming up to scratch now. He's having these conversations. So tell yeah. me what that was like for you to have that conversation with your then-girlfriend. Like, <laughs> BT-dubs, cheating on you. Don't think I'm monogamous.
3: Yeah. Um, I had that conversation um, first with, you know, some preparation and some trepidation. Um, definitely, uh, you know, I, I definitely... Um, was thinking about um, continuing on the path of being a, a cheater and just keep it a secret, you know. And then I was just like, I'm done with the that type of uh, existence, you know what I mean? Because it, it creeps into every other part of your life um, very, very slowly at first, and then all of a sudden you look around, and you're like, Wow, I'm I'm lying. Like, I'm just comfortable lying. <laughs> so, and then you have to remember your lies and it's like too much. It's too much, you know, and I, I, I value, you know, the quality of my life. So I don't want to have to show that I have a quality of life by being public about it, you know, because I believe that, you know, real happiness, you can be private and be happy. You don't have to show everyone. But I believe that there is a part of me that does have, a very concrete and grounded belief and experience in the ability to love multiple people. So I believe there is a reluctantly inherentness of that needs that things need to be public. That things need to be in the consciousness of society. So with that with those things in my you know, brewing in my mind and brewing on my heart for, you know, weeks and months or years for however long I might have, you know, done this before or, or, you know, had experience in these things, then, you know, it is that as well had come to a boil. That as well had come to a hit where I had to be real with myself and say, OK, well, is it OK if my partner has other partners, too? What does that say about me as a man, as a, as a cisgender heterosexual man who has these beliefs about what manhood and my you know upbringing has taught me about being a man coming from a jamaican household where your dad is like what what nobody boy over here you know what i mean like there's all that pressure so i had to um just kind of sit in that hold space for myself for that and come out to her as harsh and as You know, detrimental as it would be, I I kind of eased into it. I you know, I think I I took my time a little bit, but the hammer just comes down in a way that you can't really predict.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that. No one no one can really predict how your partner is going to react when they hear news like that. So, it's it's you know what I commend your bravery. That's what I will say because there's so many people who cannot be brave and be honest about who they are and what they where they're at in life and it's great that you're able to do it. It's great that you were able to have that conversation and really interrogate these things with yourself first without just kind of dropping it like, hey, this is what it is. What you going to do about it?
1: I can definitely uh, see where you're coming from as thinking about the relationship and having to kind of, I guess, reprogram your mind about what it means to be a man. Right. And, you know, got the idea of your partner with other partners. Right. At first, it's kind of just a mental block of just like, no, yes. that can't happen. i are supposed to with do the this. The trigger, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like your brain just, just outright rejects it at first. Like yeah. mine kind of did. But then with time and thinking about it and realizing, you know, why do I even think this way? What is in my brain that made me go this way? And that realized it's like years of programming and so on. But I will say your first point about why you decided to stop lying and cheating, as it were, made me think about the, the one re- reason I could never really get into the whole cheating thing, other than I would not want to lie to my wife and stuff. It's just so much work
3: right. like keeping
1: up these lies and keep and having to have an alibi and
3: yeah. you're you're
1: keeping two different stories straight right. or or however many stories straight i was like boy I've, I've seen it up close and personal looking at people and it's like how, how do you do this i can barely keep track of like work and school and all that and you have two whole relationships going on back to back right. and pick up you but yeah consensual non-monogamy was was way easier for me just because just i'm lazy
0: <laughs> <laughs> same yeah same i mean i'm lazy as hell i hate lying that's why i can't do it like it just takes too much work i gotta remember that i lied to you and that's just too much but yeah i guess i didn't have the same sort of journey interrogating masculinity and what that means being polyamorous as you guys did so on my end it was just kind of like well, if I'm a hoe, I'm just a hoe. That's it. That that's right. what it is.
3: Right, 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 right. right,
0: right. And, and so I was just living within that patriarchal model of what are what is expected of women, and that's just it's a whole different side of things. So I appreciate you guys being able to have this kind of conversation with each other as little Jamaican household boys. Oh, it's like I'm <laughs> making a connection of friendship here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Another thing to say about that too is just like that same energy that I would. Put into the lie I could put into developing my relationships and developing my own self uh, in maturity and in just how I look at life and how I'm able to, to give back to, to society, give back to the world.
0: Yeah. So when did this happen for you? I mean, like what kind of time frame are you talking about here where you had this conversation, you came out as non-monogamous and then, you know.
3: Uh, the time frame was last year, actually. Last year around the summer, end of summer. I was making a transition and going to change where I worked. I was moving to a completely different state, you know, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to use this opportunity to start new. Oftentimes, leaving a location like, you know, like your environment makes you do certain things or at least a certain lifestyle. So uh, I just wanted to use the opportunity to change my environment, to change myself if I had an excuse. And, and and during that time, between where I was transferring, where I worked, I had vacation days that I had saved up. So I was like, let me take these vacation days and really stay focused and give my 100% attention, 100% time and, and, and focus to to talk to my partner, you know, and, and really tell them what's going on. So... I feel like I had that that opportunity was there last year around the same time.
0: We all we all had to go through it at some point. So what's important yeah. is that you're here and your your partner is working with you on this. But um so you said now she is your fiance. Congratulations, by thank the way. Didn't you. say that before, but yeah. Popping <laughs> champagne and bottles for y'all over here, yeah. you know, gang, yeah. gang, congrats, gang.
1: Congrats. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This this is supposed source we gonna get to, you know, a party to celebrate you, but hey, congrats. Thank you, man. <laughs>
0: Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So, um, what kind of negotiations have you done since then? Then, is it that is your partner non-monogamous as well?
3: Right. No. No. She's not non-monogamous. She is monogamous. So, um, wh- when it came to like the the big reveal of of, uh, of everything, well, the way the way that I was coupling it was um, was with a um, you know a conversation around what being polyamorous was. So I really strongly, I don't strongly believe it, but there's so much evidence around why mono-poly relationships are not going to work. They're just very, 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 very tough. And I was, when I was, as I was gathering my information about polyamory, uh, I came across that a lot and it really, it really hurt me. It really hurt me because I wanted to come out to her about being polyamorous. I wanted to come out to her that I was done being cheater and, you know, at the same time and hoping that, that she would, uh, we would take another level level of the quote unquote relationship escalator. Um, but you know, that I got caught up in that delivery where, uh, I was talking about the cheating that I didn't um, really prepare correctly for monopoly dynamics, and that is a whole nother process. You know, I was I was doing some reading or whatever uh, from uh, Esther Perel. I think she wrote uh, "Mating in Captivity." If I have my yeah correct, and um, and she had another book talking about. Um, right, I think "The Mating in Captivity" was about breakups and cheating and things like that. So yeah. Uh, even though the book was very like highbrow, it was very very um, therapeutic, intensive, like industry intensive words. She was very clear about this cheating process taking a long time in recovery, and if the relationship after that process is, you know, during that process, can either disintegrate into nothing, or it can bounce back and become even stronger. So I didn't realize that I had to give that its proper time to develop and nurture. And then on top of that, I had to give the polyamorous topic another thing to develop and nurture. And so right now, it's difficult navigating both. And I see why monopoly relationships have such a, a, a harsh stigma, because right now it is super, super mm. difficult.
0: Well, yeah, I, I we've talked a bit about this on the podcast before where I interviewed a couple of people who were in, you know, monopoly sort of dynamics. But I interviewed the polyamorous partners just to kind of see what their experiences had been like. And, um, you know, one of them it ended up being a triad <laughs> so that you know it's a whole different dynamic. The other one was kind of like, yeah, you know, he's a bit more monogamous, but, you know, it's fine. He supports me. He accepts me. And we just kind of went through the different sides of how that could work. And there is a lot that goes into it. And a lot of people are hesitant to talk about it. I think that's probably the best way of putting it because it's, it's not as much out there. Like I said, all you're seeing is negative depictions. Like, yeah, this didn't go great. This is horrible. This, da, da, da. My partner couldn't get with it, but you rarely see the stories of people who are actually sticking with it and working through it and trying to navigate this because, Mm -hmm. A part of what makes it difficult, in my opinion, is that there are all these perceived expectations of what relationships are supposed to be once you're with someone, especially once you are moving up. Like you said, you're moving from, you know, girlfriend to fiance, fiance to wife and the expectations that people have based on what society has told us and Disney and, you know, every movie ever has told us really, really makes it difficult for people to understand that you can tailor your own relationship, however it works. And you got to let go of a lot of um, internal misogyny and, you know, the the toxic monogamy and the patriarchy and all that. You have to work through a lot of stuff to get there. So I commend you guys for going Mm -hmm. on this journey and, like, actually taking that next step up in your relationship while still navigating this.
1: Yeah.
3: You
1: know what's funny? The – I think the poly – Stereotype or the usual story is always man suggests polyamory, woman agrees, then woman ends up being more poly than the man somehow. So it's always funny to me when we end up in these mono poly situations where you know, you know the man ends up being poly and woman decides she'd rather stay monogamous. And yeah, I think Jen really covered it with why those situations usually don't work. I feel a lot of those mon- monopoly situations are probably didn't start in the healthiest of ways, or maybe didn't they didn't go into it together, trying to you know communicate and make sure that they were on the same page. I feel probably in some of those situations, the so-called poly side of it probably was not the most I don't even know uh, giving consider with their timeline. Yeah, mm-hmm. consider there you go that they were just thinking about themselves going off and having multiple partners and not thinking about how their partner is going to feel and checking in with them and so on. But I feel any relationship of any type, once, as we have said a million times, communication, checking in, talking about how you feel. Yeah, so I don't work the statistics. The exception approved the rule, I guess. Even though I don't think it's a rule, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true,
3: yeah. Yeah, Shame. Sure. I, I feel like, um, you know, you hit it on the head with that. When I think about being in polyamorous relationships, I think the cornerstone is compersion for sure, and when when you're coming at it now from because I'm I'm the, I'm so guilty of still perpetuating that uh, that Disney fairy tale kind of you know mononormative lifestyle. Still, sometimes I want to play into that and say no worry, no worry you know and just cuddle and just like reaffirm it is a type of reaffirm reaffirmation that the sometimes your your partner needs to just know, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm still there. And then there's like that tipping line where it's like too much and it's like enabling and kind of you know going back into our programming. And I have to fight myself in doing that. I'm so guilty of doing that with my partner. It's crazy.
0: Oh, I get it.
3: It's really hard to
1: like get rid of programming. I can say this as, you know, shout out to anybody who's a Christian out there, but I have not gone to church in a few years. (laughs) But anytime someone will mention an old hymn or a prayer from church, my brain just recites it automatically in my head. I'm just like, I have not gone to church in so long. I have not thought about any of these old church songs or anything in so long, but somehow it's still programmed in the back of my mind that, you know, you say those first couple words, I'm going to recite the whole song from memory. So I can imagine it's similar with stuff like relationships and ideals of what love and marriage is supposed to be
0: yeah i want to ask you something about this compersion part that you just said just because there is this thing that's out there in the world that um compersion is necessary for polyamory to work and I don't think that's true because some people just can't feel compersion and that's fine. Sometimes you, sometimes you're just jealous and that's okay. And I feel as if a lot of people are hung up on trying to force compersion into a situation instead of just having the person acknowledge their feelings, figure out why they're feeling this way. And you know, you guys negotiating what your boundaries are, because part of it is also a violation of boundaries. Right. So it's like you've given consent to a certain point. I'm like, OK, you're polyamorous. I'm monogamous. That's fine. This is where the boundary is. This is where our relationship exists. These are the things that I'm OK with as it relates to how you communicate this information with me and how our time goes together and what we talk about and what we experience. But I think that a lot of people oh, well, we've talked about this with Zach Budd when we talked about consent. A lot of us are raised not to know how to erect boundaries and how to respect that. And so I feel as if when compersion is thrown around willy nilly in polyamory and kind of trying to force into a situation that um, it ain't always like that. It's probably the best way of putting it. It ain't always like that. So how has it been for your partner? Do they feel compersion for you if you're with other people? Or, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's a good point, Jen. Um, when you talk, when I mentioned compersion, I, I meant about the, the concept and stopping it right there. That's all I need. That's all that polyamory needs is that word to even exist in the human language. It doesn't have to be that, oh, uh, compersion exists, so now you have to feel it. Don't you feel compersion right now? Because that's, you're polyamorous, aren't you? You should be compersion. Yes
2: you know like
3: no it's not that's not that's not how it goes it's just the fact that there is something opposite of jealousy in a sense in the essence of the word that there is an alternative way of thinking it doesn't mean that you have to just because that you know the zen experience of of being one with you know infinite intelligence in the universe and god means that you've reached singularity it's the fact that it exists that's the big deal to me So I know I've had struggles with conversion. Just just thinking about oh yeah, my fiance could find another guy that she likes and becomes her boyfriend. That may happen. You know, just the fact that no, okay. So if that happens, then how will that make me feel? Going through that process is enough for me to just be content with. Okay, you know what? I can do this. I can grow and learn and become a better person because this is connected to my happiness. So that's what I mean when I talk about compersion.
0: Okay, that's good. I just want because I know some people listening might not have caught that. So I was like, let me just throw it in there. Let me drop yeah. this bomb in this bitch. So everyone's okay. on the same page with that. <laughs> <Okay. laughs>
3: yeah, I, still, I still struggle with it to this day. I don't, you know, I say, luckily, this is a bad word, but I, I'm saying luckily my girlfriends are monogamous.
0: Oh, you because got two whole girlfriends. You got a fiance and a girlfriend.
3: Yeah, a girlfriend and then um Yep. Yep, fiance and a girlfriend.
1: And they're both monogamous. And
3: they're both the ads.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um uh, I mean but there's nothing wrong with the fact that, you know, you don't feel compersion and you're still asking yourself how would you feel if they had another partner.
3: Right.
1: As, you know, I'm a little bit a little a, a touch more seasoned than you are in this whole non monogamy stuff and I still I I don't experience compersion really. I am happy if my wife finds someone else, and I'm more just glad that she's happy, but there is no happiness that comes from the fact that she did someone else. Mm. It's more just, you know, I'm not upset at it, but at first, the the idea was kind of crazy to me, but over time, I just became fine with it. I'm not, you know, ecstatic that it's happening, but I'm not upset. It's just, oh, that's happening? Good. Are you happy? Then I'm happy, just because you're happy, but not necessarily Like Happiness doesn't come from the other person. It just comes from, you know, well, she's happy and that's what I want. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I'm I'm struggling with that and with enthusiastic consent because I want to have enthusiastic consent about everything that I'm doing. But will I be able to give enthusiastic consent back? You know, so I I still am like, oh, man, I wonder how I'm going to react when these situations come up. And I kind of want to force them to come up. So I can know, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready right now to deal with this because I'm thinking about it right now. But I don't want anything to catch me off guard. I, a lot of this is like the ego talking and wanting to protect itself, you know. And and that's why I don't even want. I don't even want to claim my girlfriend's because that is the ego as well with possession of things. You can't possess a person, but you know that's one of the things I'm I'm thinking about as far as oh, I got to get ready for this.
0: I feel you. I feel you. Um, so, let me ask you a question about your girlfriend, not your fiance, your girlfriend. Um, were was he, were you with her in the cheating phase, or is this like a new person to the dynamic?
3: Yeah. So no, there. Um, the girlfriend that I am. I'm sorry. So my fiance was the one that I came out to cheating on. My girlfriend. And I have never had sex yet. We're in a long distance relationship. So I didn't feel like it was me. It was necessary to be like, hey, I'm cheating on you because I'm having sex with another person, but we're not having sex yet. So I just told her that I, you know, had come out to my fiance and told her that. So um, and that I that I told her I cheated on her. Uh, So that was that that part.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. So how long have you and your girlfriend been together?
3: Uh, we've been together on and off for like five, six years.
0: That's a long time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And how long were you with your, your fiancé? Uh,
3: closer to six, seven years.
0: Okay, so there there is that overlap there. Yeah. But, but now they know about each other.
3: Exactly. Now they know about each other, yep.
0: Okay, so um, has there been any resentment that you can kind of see that exists yes. there?
3: Mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely, yes, hundred percent that's the that's the conversion part
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it i I'm just because I know that similar time frames of relationship length can um create a friction mm. <laughs> between you know um so i was just curious about that aspect of it
3: yeah and there's another layer because how do you you know how do you describe the color red to someone that's blind you know so how do you Mm -hmm. talk about conversion to someone that's monogamous you know without kind of being like sounding like an asshole a little bit you know like it's yeah. really yeah. tough, like, hey, you know, I want to lead this horse to water, but I can't make him drink it kind of thing. Not to say that I'm elevated in my mind is like I'm some superior being. Uh, I just feel like that, you know, describing things and, like, kind of coming on the same page just so we can communicate is, is a challenge.
1: I will say this that we, we had said before, but I will say it again. You are a brave man.
0: <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Listen, I'm just sitting here like this nigga brave us. Was- Fuck, bro.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm glad you made it work out, but (laughs) I've been there before. Bringing someone from your past, from a previous relationship into a current relationship is, oh boy. And then the fact that you know there is some, I don't know how much, but some resentment there you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. He just is. (laughs) Um, But so you've been dating this person for five, six years, and you guys have never been physically intimate.
3: Yeah, we we kissed and you know, we went on a couple of dates early on. Um, but there's been it's been like a four year gap. We haven't like we haven't seen each other.
0: Oh wow, okay. So uh well I know the pandemic has made things even more awkward, of course. Um oh, we've guys... been training
3: for this our whole <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you whole relationship
0: you've been training for the pandemic. Uh but like how how do you see this progressing going forward, right? So Do you live in the same place as your fiance?
3: No, not yet. We're long distance as well.
0: So so you just, you're the king of the long distance game. Clearly we need to get you one episode and get some tips and shit.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I have, uh, yeah, definitely multiple long distance relationships. Yep.
0: So you have been training for the pandemic, your your whole relationships (laughs) with both of them, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, you said you've been doing that. So how has it been? Like, did you have, were you guys making plans to see each other at any point, but when the pandemic hit and then kind of had to renegotiate that?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I definitely, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure how, um, my relationship would, would, uh, translate well with, with both because, um, you know, each relationship is its own own entity, but, um, there were always plans that were being made or that were open to, uh, you know, I'm kind of a spontaneous guy. So I know that I will just, like, pull up on you or whatever, kind of like with some forewarning or some hint or something. But, you know, I like to be spontaneous with my with my things sometimes. So um, we had been planning to reconnect before the pandemic, for sure. Um, and so um, now we're looking to do something Um, before the end of the year but um, that planning stuff has always been part of it and i think that's what aids to those long distance relationships too because you can kind of be in the honeymoon phase that you know that new relationship energy can last a long a long period of time because you're you're planning multiple vacations over and over
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm very interested to see how it's going to work when you're living in the same place as one of them, because I think poly at a distance is also where I thrive, obviously. But what is it going to be like navigating these sorts of things when you're in the physical space with someone? So I'll be very interested in, you know, hearing about that later on, like. In your journey, I'm I'm gonna keep in touch it. with forward, y'all. I'm gonna keep in touch with forward. Like <laughs> so, uh, so what happening now? Like, tell me when you're moving. How's things going? Uh, but yeah, no, this, this is very intriguing. It's very very intriguing because we I don't we haven't had this perspective on before, right? So someone who is still so new, quote unquote, to non monogamy, and then well, to ethical non monogamy <laughs> anyway, and then you know having to navigate these things with monogamous partners that is that is wild.
3: That is wild. It's pretty wild. So, you know, I think that uh, what happens sometimes you end up growing faster or in a different way than your partner. Um, You know, and I'm a ferocious (laughs) consumer of of knowledge, and I try to execute on the knowledge that I gain quickly so I can test it and see what works for me. And uh, what doesn't, that's how I learn and grow. So one of my – I don't know if you've seen Dion Cole's uh, Netflix special. He talks about relationships and he just talks about like how yeah. they different levels of stuff. So um, what happens, in my opinion, is that people in healthy relationships are constantly looking for better ways to improve their lives and their relationships. So um, that's what really enabled me to identify myself as polyamorous and to give me that confidence to, to continue to move forward with my with building my tribe, building my, my polycule.
0: Okay, so do you have any poly friends right now that, you know, you talk to about this sort of stuff with? Have you come out as polyamorous to anyone else aside from your partners?
3: Yes, I have. Uh, I've come out to polyamorous uh, with my family. Um, and I came out to polyamorous with my, with my, uh, my friends, my, my close friends. Keep my circle small but um feel like oh and i come out uh, as polyamorous obviously to to on tinder and, and things like that but um my some of my closest friends do not accept it yet you know um i'm sure some of my family members are in denial or whatever but that is um that's part of it that's part of the the journey it sure is uh, how
1: was coming out to the family that's always one we find very interesting
3: yeah uh, More interesting
1: come out. Like some it's good, some it's bad, some it's in the middle. Uh, where would yours fall?
3: My fall in the middle, I think. My mom, um, God bless her, thank God for her. She, uh, she's very open minded as well. She's a creative, you know. Um, she's she's a, a dance professor, so um, you know her mind was like you know. If you guys agree on it, you know she immediately went to cons- consent, not even knowing you know terms and things so uh she gets it um you know my dad is definitely more traditional more conservative uh for sure so uh he's kind of like get that nonsense out of here kind of (laughs) thing uh and then you know my my but my siblings are cool my siblings are cool with it they're they're down they're they're like you know whatever makes you happy bro kind of thing
1: that's good we love a supportive family over here
0: so you said your friends haven't quite accepted it yet that's interesting to me because um, usually friends are the first ones who are kind of like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But some of your friends are still not quite feeling the vibe, huh?
3: Yeah, some of them. Some of them. They're kind of like, oh, you just want an excuse to fuck girls, you know? And they, they kind of go to that right away. So...
0: I mean, you didn't need an excuse before. You were already doing it. So I don't get it. I don't get it. That's that's one thing I don't get. No one comes out as polyamorous and blows up their whole spot when they're already cheating. Okay? We don't do that. That would be stupid. Where do you see yourself on your journey in the next, say, two years? Five years is a really long time. So assume assume that we're out of quarantine by 2022. (laughs) Where do you see yourself then?
3: Yeah. Out of quarantine 2022... um... I definitely see myself having a nesting partner, for sure. Mm. I'm going to leave it right there.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So I have
3: right
0: a, you talked about doing research and, like, studying and learning about polyamory. Aside from Esther Perel, were there any other books or podcasts or articles that really helped guide you in your journey so far?
3: Uh, yeah, I, Curious Fox, I identified with her um, in the beginning uh i identified with uh more than two i was very i, I strongly strongly um referenced that um and then i have a look come some comparison books i read and some some interesting like kimchi like some funny oh
0: kimchi cuddles yeah yeah cuddles that was here. Really
3: i like that creative and then I'm just following you guys, man. I'm just following, you know, I got exposed to Ruby uh, Johnson through you guys, you know, I'm, I'm just following uh, and keeping up with it with, with what's going on. So, um, you know, following some throuples on Instagram and, and doing the whole thing, you know, finding images of it and, you know, examples of it in, in culture and in our society right now. So following laws about it, what happened in, in Massachusetts, stateside and things like that. So just, just, being present and, and then at the same time focusing on what's going on with my life so it's a really random question I want to ask about your past like your past
0: past did you ever get the idea that you were polyamorous like in the past like growing up dating in high school or middle school whatever it is that people when however old people date these days I don't know
3: absolutely absolutely I've always leaned towards multiple women Uh, I've always leaned towards sex education you know sexuality and I went to my high school you know like I said my mom was a creative you know so uh, she got me into the arts very very young age got me on stage at a very very young age and I developing my craft led me to being around people that were in alternative lifestyles or that people that were just, you know, had a different outlook on life, you know? So I I had gay friends and I had, you know, the whole thing growing up and that was cool to me. And I was just like down with it. And I didn't really even think twice about it. You know, I have friends now that are trans and everything. So um, uh, that early exposure to thinking outside the box and going, you know, uh, I have, Always been open to something that presented itself in a formal way, I think. I think I just needed to receive it at the right time, of course, timing is everything. But now, um, you know, I can attach things to polyamory in general. So that has definitely assisted with my, um, you know, those early years in my life. Uh, and then, you know, I started dating, and once I started dating and started having sex, then I've I felt like, okay, I can, you know, I can attract the opposite sex, I can attract what I'm into, I can, you know, I can develop those types of skills, I guess, if you want to call it that, or, you know, I can develop that type of self-awareness is that self-confidence. I think also when you start to grow in your life, you know, you start to make more money, you start to, you know, climb the corporate ladder or whatever have you your business your entrepreneurial ventures you know even your passion starts to pay off for you financially you're able to take on more you're able to see the world more and then you're able to expand your relationships and for me it's like you know abundance minded and being aggressive with when it comes to business and things like that i know hey if i get to myself at a certain level i can be able to afford a certain lifestyle and you know i know that i could be responsible polyamorous cis heterosexual man you know what i mean so that is kind of like the the major the, the overall thinking of it uh as someone
1: who's done as much research as you what kind of poly do you think you practice
3: i would say i'm solo
1: poly solo poly oh
3: okay yeah that but i i i mix that in with i'm practicing uh a ethical hierarchical polyamory mm-hmm. okay hmm
0: but then you want it to change because if you want to live with somebody, then that's not quite solo poly anymore. If you want to live with your partner, Cause will, yeah. will you be mixing finance and all that stuff? So that's
3: interesting. Yeah. So that's why I feel like ethical, hierarchical polyamory, where I heard it for the first time on Instagram, fits it better than solo poly. Um, yeah. Because of the married status you know, uh, having a wife that, that to me is why it it is more of like a hierarchical thing, even though I, I, you know, I struggle with that word. I think putting ethical in front of it makes it a little bit better.
0: Yeah. So my last question just for you personally, before we do all our shameless plugs and everything, has any of your monogamous partners been doing any reading or listening or anything on polyamory as well to know how they fit into
3: this? not not to my knowledge uh i have been sharing some stuff with them uh this podcast as one of them um for sure to listen to
1: hey partners how's it going
0: where can people find
3: you but follow me for sure forward thinker by the time this comes out probably we'll have uh some stuff up there and writing a book and i have to finish a contract where i'm in right now i'm writing a book about my personal journey through it and then uh you guys can definitely plug that in and then um i might do some youtubing about it uh, some vlogs or something and that's about it
0: so mm-hmm. he's forward thinker on instagram you guys can definitely follow him yeah he cool you know we, we had him on here for about an hour he okay <laughs> um so yeah once again thank you so much for agreeing to do this and talking to us and sharing your story all right sham so we've heard our two guests, we've heard their vastly different journeys into non-monogamy and polyamory.
1: Yes, it was How do you feel? so <laughs> wonderful of us to highlight the struggles of the most oppressed group, which is Cishet Men. Kidding, kidding, of course. <laughs> but, you know, every, every uh, viewpoint is important. So, hey, give us a, a view from, you know, a different a different side of life because hey they're there people mm-hmm. too okay guys i know i know <laughs> we know we're trash but you know we gotta, we gotta try i mean let's <laughs> not even go to what, what, what was what was it again Reformed fuck boy yeah
0: yeah but he's but fuck boy. what's important
1: is that he's reformed and you know so, mm-hmm. some of us can be reformed so yeah great great two chats great two stories two experiences uh it was definitely lovely being there for the parts that i was in the last one and for the parts that you were
0: yeah for the first one one. no i mean it, it was very interesting conversations and you know our our show does tend to you know steer queer not because i decide it does or anything just by accident we just happen to have a lot of you know queer people on the podcast so i was like you know what, guys. Let's give these straight men a try. Let's let them do their thing. Let's let let these cishet guys have their moment. And now that we've done that, that's enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's enough out of you. You had your shot.
0: (laughs) You had your shot. Yeah. No, the only two cishet men who come back pretty regularly on the podcast are... Actually, no. Three. Pages. Yeah. Zach and you.
1: Oh, right. (laughs) You say come back. like I'm kind of on the show.
0: I mean okay no, but just, you're here
1: <laughs> i was like am i am i just the, the most returning guest ever like oh yes. yeah I'm, I'm just here for what are we at 100 episodes yet how much are we got? i don't remember no, we're, at we're, a not lot. At
0: 100, we're at like 50 something oh sorry I'm, i think I'm, 57
1: 58 <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm way ahead my bad but yeah so yeah so either i'm just a really regular guest or you know a co-host maybe however you like to put that
0: <laughs> co-host regular guest i don't know i don't know We'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, (laughs) I don't have anything to add at this point. Any other comments that I make about this episode is going to go directly to Patreon.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) There there may be some, but let's not, Mm -hmm. let's not say too much about that. What we'll say for now is where you can find us. And of course, you know, you can always find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at monogamish pod on, you know, on those various platforms. Just look at monogamish pod. You'll find us there. You can find us at monogamishpod.com. That's where you find our detailed show notes. You can That's where, you know, Jen painstakingly goes through every single moment of the episode and gives details. Not really, but there are more details than you get on the basic podcatcher-like description. Yeah, so the links to stuff that our people talk about and other stuff like that, you can find on monogamishpod.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud. Only there you'll only find our most recent episodes, the last three Because, you know, SoundCloud is kind of mean, and we're just trying to work with them. But we know some people love SoundCloud, so we provide it there for you, because we love you. We are just wonderful people who just want to be there for you. And, of course, hit us up on Patreon, get bonus episodes, bonus content from us. That's patreon.com slash monogamishpod. You cannot search us because we are just far too sexy. Or we're an adult platform, whatever it is. And, of course... You find us wherever you can find podcasts and you rate, review, and subscribe. Apple Podcast, Google podcast, et cetera, Podcasts, Etc. podcasts, Zoom Podcast, I think. That's I think. I, I Wait, that's there. a thing? I don't know. Zoom kinda came and went before podcasts like took off, I think. So maybe not. But everywhere else that you can get podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Let people know. Share, share, share us with someone. Let them know. Hey, there's this cool podcast that talks about non monogamy. It's by, you know, these two people from the Caribbean who are black and awesome, and they want to share their stories with you. And, of course, that's everything about us. Now let's share with some of our friends. Like, over at Two Bright. That's right, the wonderful clothing line. Maybe some friends of ours. Awesome T-shirts, awesome other merch, just made by Jamaicans. Cool designs, and you'll be cooler for wearing them. If you go to Two Bright and use promo code Monogamish. Monogamish or Monogamish pod? I think it's, it's Monogamish. Monogamish. <laughs> Promo code Monogamish. You get 10% off because who doesn't like saving money right now? We all need it. You know, That's that, that stimulus packaging coming anytime soon. So get that 10% off. And, you know, we want to shout out to our podcast partner, Angie Martucci and the Shelf Love podcast. Always a pleasure to, to work with them over there at Shelf Love. And by us, I mean Jen, because Jen is always over there, you know, Spreading the good re- the good word, the good monogamish word.
0: That's right. I got the, the monogamish pod situation set up over a Shelf Love podcast.
1: Do, doing the Lord's work. And by the Lord, you mean us. <laughs> and, of course, one last shout out to, to altplayground.net. Jo- go to altplayground.net. What more do you need to say? We told you all the wonderful features. Go check them out. Go check us out over there. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Do that. And don't forget, you can find our guests, Gabriel, at my poly life on Twitter, and Forward Thinker is on Instagram and Clubhouse at Forward Thinker. Links to all that is going to be in the show notes. But that's all she wrote, kids. I'm Jen.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm Sham. And and <laughs> we're we're not. We're not, not amazed. Amazed. <laughs> I was just I just like to meet you at that point. I can try to type it, it's yeah. all good. We we'll get it one day. excellent